You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Just great, great words. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Lord, we thank you for the praise and worship and the team that faithfully leads us and words that we sang, dear Lord, just inspire us, encourage us. So I leaned over and told Sheila, Midian, and Midian Chitsede, his family, Mufundis Jaina, and all those people in Zimbabwe have already been worshiping and praising the Lord. And some reason, dear Lord, when I think about my African family, when I think about those in the Far East and all over the world that are worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus, Lord, it, it just encourages me. So, Lord, we thank you for the body of believers all over the world. We pray that you protect, that you watch over. Lord, we pray right now as we look to your word in a very difficult subject, dear Lord, as we are struggling to know what to believe as Christians, how to live our lives. We pray, dear Lord, that we can interpret it by way of your word and the Holy Spirit. Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me, dear Lord, of things that could be in my heart, in my mind, in my thoughts, that, Lord, would be displeasing to you. Lord, I pray that you would cover me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me be a tool you can use. And, Lord, I pray that for every person in this room and who may be listening. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want you to remain standing. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. One, beginning at verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. I've titled this message today, The Count of Monte Cristo and the Vaccine. And we're going to be talking today about the COVID ep- epidemic. Last week, I hope you were able to listen. If you were not able to be here, that you'll go back and listen because it's so important because these messages are building on one another. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly Remember you, Timothy, in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, God did not give you a spirit of timidity. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and self-discipline. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we love you and we praise you. And Lord, anoint this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I think today uh, Paul was exactly right when he told Timothy, 
He said, Timothy, God's not giving you this spirit of fear. I don't know about you, but there's a spirit of fear across the land today, around the world. Uh, it's everywhere. And you may say, well, what do you mean by this title, The Count of Monte Cristo and the, and the Vaccine? I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Count of Monte Cristo, or seen the movie. It was written by a man by the name of Al Alexandre Dumas. And it's a story about a young man by the name of Edmund Dantes. Edmund Dantes. He was wrongly convicted. He was imprisoned in this horrible rock fortress. And while he's in prison, he meets an old man. I don't know if you remember, the later movie is just tremendous. It's an excellent movie, The Count of Monte Cristo. But this man has been basically set up by his friends. A conspiracy has developed, and his friends have set him up. Ultimately, he takes the rap for a crime that he did not commit. He's put into this Alcatraz-type prison. It was just a horrible place to be. He's beaten every year on the anniversary of his entry into that prison. The, the prison guard comes in there and just beats him mercy. He's just absolutely whipped. Scars all over his back. One day when he's sitting there, all of a sudden the towel in the, in the bottom of his prison begins to move. He jumps back. He's afraid he hadn't seen a human being in forever. And this old man's head comes up out of the ground and he had burrowed and he had gotten, he had miscalculated rather than making a, a burrow and a tunnel out to freedom. He had actually tunneled into the next cell, which was the cell of Edmund Dantes. Before long, this man is brilliant. He's an academic genius. He's a PhD. He's a scholar. He's also been a warrior. And he begins to train Edmund Dantes because Edmund says, teach me. And he begins to teach him the literature of the world, all of the languages of the world, begins to open up his mind in this prison cell. And eventually, not only that, he teaches him how to fight. And he becomes a master with a sword. But it is the story, and it's excruciatingly difficult because he's such an innocent man. He's such a pure, innocent man. As the old man begins to relinquish little bits of information, letting Desmond begin to discover how he had been deceived. And in that moment when he finally recognized the deception, the dishonesty, the betrayal by his dearest friends, all of a sudden there's this fit of rage and he wants revenge. I say all that to say this, and, and I, I will depend a lot on notes today. This is a lot of information, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you. You're going to have to listen closely. Probably have to go back and listen again. But is there in this day deception and dishonesty around the pandemic, around the disease of COVID, and more so even around the treatment, the whole process of how we're dealing? You know, last week we talked about gain of function. We talked about the Wuhan lab in China. We talked about academic 
individuals at Cambridge, Harvard, people in epidemiology, people in infectious disease that were warning politicians for years now that they were living, they were playing a dangerous game of playing God in a lab when you take a pathogen, a disease-causing organism, and you begin to play with its genetic makeup and you can create a super virus that mutates faster than you can create a vaccine. And that's where we're at. And we talked about, you know, when we'll be looking at some of the issues, cultural Marxism and some of the things. When I talk about cultural Marxism and Marxism, I'm speaking from experience, okay? I've lived in a country that was living in a Marxist a regime and a Marxist political ideology. So I understand Marxism because I've lived in it and I've watched the destruction of a nation, Zimbabwe being that particular. But last week we talked about the gain of function. We looked at all of that. And today we're going to be looking at the vaccine, vaccines, and more particularly that idea of mandating the vaccine. Is this constitutionally um, is this constitutional? Is it moral? Is it biblical? And you know, a few weeks ago, I was telling you about Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you remember in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian culture empire was trying to basically change Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into what the government wanted them to be. In other words, the Babylonian government was trying to indoctrinate them and cause them to turn away from their faith. In Daniel chapter 1, remember they went first to their diet, to their kosher diet, trying to get them to compromise what they would put into their body. Eventually, they would go after their devotion. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they said, you've got to bow down to an image of the government. And remember, they said, we can't do that. And they were thrown into a fiery furnace, and God delivered them. And then remember, from diet and devotion, we went to deception. Daniel chapter 6, when government began to set up, those political figures set up a deceptive trap to catch Daniel. And uh, we may be living in those days now. You know, let me say this, point number one. Conflict is throughout the Scripture when it comes to government. In other words, the body of believers, the faith community, finds itself often in the Scripture in conflict with government. Let me give you some. Moses with Pharaoh. Samuel with Saul. Nathan with David. And as we said a moment ago, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian government. Mordecai with Haman. Esther with the Persian government. John the Baptist with Herod. Jesus with the Sanhedrin, which was the Congress uh, in the day of the Jewish people, in the days of Jesus. And then finally, Paul with the Roman government. And Paul was executed by the Roman government. So first of all, it's not unusual for people of faith to be in conflict with government. We see it throughout Scripture. And you may say, well, is government bad? No, it's not. The Bible speaks often good about government. But government to you and I is never the answer to the problems of the world. Now let me say that. 
Government can never solve the problems of the world. Only we believe a faith in Jesus Christ can do that. The principles of Scripture. In other words, government is made up of man. Man is depraved. Man is flawed. And no matter how man is, man will always fail in his attempt to bring peace. He can't bring peace. He can't work out the problems of the world. We've endlessly tried, and nothing makes any difference. And, and so government, naturally, because it's flawed, because it's made up of man, will over time move outside. It naturally moves outside moral and ethical boundaries, and it begins to move further and further. Let me give you an example. In Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court decision in 1973, the Supreme Court decision to give woman the right to do with her body what she wanted, basically the end of pregnancy. It was believed in the beginning that that pregnancy was a, was a mindless, lifeless glob of flesh. Some preachers believed that. Even some of the great preachers made the mistake in the late 60s of compromising with the medical community. They believed the medical community more than they believed the Bible. And so what government did, they basically said to a woman, they basically said, hey, listen, it's your body, you can do with it what you choose, and you can end that life. And so basically we were looking at a first trimester or abortion in those first three months. But then it began to stretch forth fifth, sixth month, seventh, eighth, ninth month. And now a baby can be aborted up to full term. Listen to this. And if the baby survives the abortion... If the mother chooses to, the baby is shelved, put on a shelf, made comfortable, and allowed to die. Anytime government, anytime government, anytime we put our faith and our trust in government, we have to always remember that government never obeys the rules. Government naturally is immoral and unethical because it's made up of fallen man. And so once government, now what can make it worse is that government can not only be in opposition to basic, that basic moral compass that C.S. Lewis said is in all of us, whether we're saved or not. Government can become, government can be at odds with the Bible, with the Christian faith, with the faith of God's people. In other words, government, if you give government time, it can be hostile to biblical principles, not just moral principles, but biblical principles. And you and I feel that today. Uh, we don't feel like we did when we were children growing up. This is a different time. We're dealing today with a hostile government that is hostile to the faith, hostile to the faith community, hostile to biblical principles. If you don't believe how hostile and angry the world is becoming, just go to our Facebook page and look at the just absolute hatred that is being spewed on Facebook toward this church, toward me, and toward this series called The, the, the Perfect Storm. We're not in Kansas anymore. We're living in a time when government is becoming more and more angry and more hostile, and society is as well. And it's becoming more and more difficult for you and I to live out the faith. But number two, does the government have the right to mandate the vaccine? You know, that's a good question. And let me say the vaccine is not the issue. Whether people choose to have the vaccine or not, that's not, that's not even what I'm talking about. 
If you choose to take the vaccine, that's your choice, that's your decision, and it should be yours. And if you choose not to, that should be your decision as well. But the question is this, is the state or does government have the power to physically force you to take the vaccine, to come into your home, or so limit your life that you have no choice but to take the vaccine? That's the question. You know, I thought about here, I was thinking about how do you preach this, and God reminded me of an Old Testament course that I took years ago. It was an Old Testament survey course. A survey means it's just an overview of Genesis to Malachi. And I never forget, I had a professor. He was a professor of Hebrew. He was a brilliant man, Dr. Wayland Bailey. And Wayland Bailey would come in some days and he would say to us, because we had to read through the Old Testament in that, in that semester of class, he'd come in and he'd say, take out a half sheet of paper. And I'll never forget, man, I was working nights in a truck line. Sheila and I, we lived in a little apartment. Amy was a baby. Man, I mean, it was tough. I was skin and bones, and I was sweating and working, trying to make ends meet, going to school in the day and working nights. And I'll never forget, I thought, man, oh, I'm not ready for this. And listen to what he said. He said, name the two midwives that delivered Moses. And I'm sitting there going, I don't even think they had names. Listen, I never forgot that. Shipra and Pua. Shipra and Pua. When somebody looks at you and says, I know that Bible's better than anybody, well, just ask them that question. That's a good one to ask them. Sometimes people look at me and say, you know, preacher, I know that Bible just as well as you do, and I don't believe it. And then one day I said, well, name the two midwives that delivered Moses. That shuts them up. And then I look at them and say, well, you don't know it as good as you think you do. And I said, oh, by the way, it was Shepron Pua. But anybody who knows the story of Shepron Pua know this, that the Egyptian government basically issued a decree, and they said to the Jewish, they said to the Jewish people, to the Hebrew people, they basically said this, and these were the two midwives that went around among the slaves of the Hebrew people, and basically when they were to, to birth a child, what they would do, they, they were told to kill the child. If it was a boy, it was a Jewish boy, kill the baby. Well, Shepron Pua disobeyed the edict, the edict that had been sent down from the Egyptian government from Pharaoh, basically they lived in opposition to it. In fact, Pharaoh calls them back in and says, hey, listen, why haven't you done what I've told you to do? Where's all these Egyptian little boys coming from? And they said, listen, these women are hardy, they're full of life, they're healthy, and they have a baby before we even get there. Now, they were really kind of lying, situational ethics. And you know what the Bible says? God, the Bible says that God blessed Shepra and Pua because they were faithful to God and not faithful to government. Sometimes government and the body of believers, the Christian, the man or woman of God, will fall in opposition to government. Shepra and Pua disobeyed the government of their day. Again, those three wise men. Do you remember we just studied a while back? The three wise men. What did Herod? Herod was the government of the day. When they came into that city, you remember looking for Jesus, Herod called them in, these three noted individuals, and basically asked the Magi, you remember, said, hey, uh, tell us why you're here. You're turning the whole city upside down. So well, we're looking for the Messiah. And you remember what Herod told him? He said, listen, after you find the Messiah, come back here, tell me so that I can go worship. Let me ask you, did they, did they obey the government? 
No, they did not. There are times in our life when the body of Christ and the believer has to recognize that the government is not always the friend. 1984, the book that was written after warning us of totalitarianism after the Second World War called the government the big brother, and the big brother can get you into a lot of trouble. Some say, well, you know, the, the vaccine and the things that are being done are based on public health. What is in the best interest of the general population? But if that's so, why are doctors being silenced? Why are doctors being fired? Why are alternative treatments being completely ignored by the CDC and the NHI? Why are natural immunities not being studied? Let me tell you what's happening in the world right now, in the medical community, the academic community, and the political community. There are smoking guns everywhere about the pandemic. Everywhere. And you may say, well, as a Christian, what do I, how do I interpret this? Well, first of all, anytime you relinquish all control of your life, your body, over to a government which can be hostile to your faith, then you have to understand something. You are, you are taking what should be, when the Bible says you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit, it means we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. You never give that control that is in the hand of the Holy Spirit over to anything, not anger, not alcohol, not government. Your final authority is not Washington, D.C. Your final authority is God's Word and what God through His Holy Spirit reveals in your heart and life. And you may say, well, what is it? The real issue is controlled. It's control. And so there's a real danger here that once you relinquish control to a government, to an entity, the reality is, is that you put yourself in a very, very dangerous place. I wrote this down, why is a mandate wrong? And worse, what does it reveal about the powers that be at this moment and the threat they pose against the church? Because once you relinquish that right of privacy, you begin to allow the government to have freedom in other areas of your life. I've been reading a book called Live Not By Lies, written by a man by the name of Rod, Rod Dreher, I believe. And it basically is the warning of communist Eastern Bloc countries that are watching the American political scene, and they are warning us, saying, you are making the same mistakes going down the same road that we've gone down, and you need to be very careful. And you may say, why is the world worried? Because this is the most benevolent nation in the world. Why is the world worried? Because this is the policeman of the world. The truth of the matter is what those people said in Zimbabwe when I, Matt and I sat in their home and the woman and her husband, she began to cry and she looked at us and she said, in the midst of that Marxist government living under a horrible dictator by the name of Robert Mugabe who took North Korean troops, came in after he seized power and killed Indibelis. That's what Marxism does who raped the country of all of its resources, who destroyed the country, and who died a billionaire. The reality is, the reality is they looked at us and through tear-filled eyes, she said, we thought America, we thought you and America would come save us, and you did not. The world is very concerned about our political system. 
So what do we know? What does it reveal? And what conclusions? And let me read through this information fairly quickly. Number one, does the government have the right to physically take you, vaccinate you, contrary to your personal wishes? And listen to this. If the government is given that right, what will an alien in opposition to the church government do in the future? That's the bigger question. In 1905, there was a man by the name of Jacobson. This was during the smallpox epidemic. Jacobson, this man, decided that he would not take the smallpox, I think it was smallpox vaccine. Now, the reason he wouldn't take it was because the smallpox vaccine, he had taken a vaccine before, another vaccine, it had caused him a lot of physical problems, so he didn't want to take this vaccine. Well, it ended up in Supreme Court. Jacobson lost the case. The Supreme Court basically said, you are required by the law. Government has the right to force you to take the vaccine. Jacobson said, I'm not, and he paid the $5 fine. A lot of people, I was listening to a debate, by, a, debate, a debate between Alan Dershowitz, who taught at Harvard for 50 years on law. Many of you may remember his name from the O.J. Simpson trial. Alan Dershowitz and Robert Kennedy Jr. And the issue, they said, is proving that the virus poses a real threat and that the vaccine is safe and effective. Now, I want you to listen to that. These very learned men are sitting there in the middle of a debate, and they're basically they're coming down to this. And this debate was about a year ago. So I'm wondering what they're thinking now. Is the vaccine safe? And is it effective? Does it stop a person from getting COVID? Secondly, does it stop the person from transmitting COVID? Secondly, is it safe? We don't know. Robert Kennedy Jr., and I, I, in this debate, I thought this was good. He said, he said to Alan Dershowitz, he said, Alan, he said, you know, that a democracy is based on free flow of information. In other words, everybody listen closely. Our government, our frame of government is based on the First Amendment right. Never forget that. Freedom of speech. Now, the tech companies have taken that over. And there's no guarantee for people that are live streaming at any point this could be stopped. Because one of the developers of the vaccine, Dr. Robert Malone, was just kicked off of Twitter. And if you don't say what... Facebook, and if I don't say what Facebook wants me to say, they'll end this right now. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, they basically are running the marketplace. And they're brewing this soup. And there's a lot of deception, a lot of dishonesty, a lot of the inability to act, exercise the First Amendment right of every American and I say Mark Zuckerberg and some of those who are in the positions that they're in will one day be held accountable before a sovereign God. There's no guarantee. I made the statement that the church may have to go back to code language. Dr. Stan May, PhD, head of a missions department at one of our seminaries. You know what Stan said? He said that's exactly what John the Beloved was doing in the second and third letter of John. He was speaking in code language. Because he was dealing with an alien government in Rome, and he referred to them as Babylon. 
This is the kind of world we're living in. Is it safe? We don't know. But I know this that we'll never know as long as we're not allowed to have free dialogue and discussion. In this debate, he made this statement. Robert Kennedy Jr., who is the son of Robert Kennedy, he's a great environmentalist, a brilliant man. He's just written a book that's out to, getting ready to come out on Tony uh, Fauci, and I'll be talking about him in a moment. But Robert Kennedy Jr. said at one point to Alan Dershowitz, and for Janice McBride back there, you'll understand, or for some of these that may be a little older, you'll understand, I'm 66 years old. Let me tell you, when it came to vaccines, we had no problem with vaccines. They came into the schools, they vaccinated all of us. There was no problems. You know why? Because back then in the 1960s, we trusted the CDC. We trusted the uh, NHI. We trusted those uh, institutions and those organizations. We trusted news media because we knew there was a flow of information all the time going on. There was transparency and honesty and nobody controlled the system. It wasn't a problem back then. But number three, pharmaceutical industries got into vaccines. And what happened is they decided they wanted blanket immunity from lawsuits. What does that mean? In 1986, the, a vaccine, I think it was to diphtheria, was causing brain problems in one out of 300 people that took the vaccine. And so there was a lawsuit against, uh, against one of the pharmaceutical companies taking them to court. So the pharmaceutical industry, listen to this, put your antennas up real high. Those that are live stream, you may be cut off any moment. The pharmaceutical industry went to Congress and said, we cannot make vaccines safely or without risk. And so through the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, they were given blanket immunity. In other words, pharmaceutical companies were given immunity from liability. It reads, no vaccine manufacturer may be party to a civil action. In other words, you have no way to sue them or hold them accountable. Imagine that. Imagine you have a product. Imagine you have a product where you are told, no matter how sloppily you man manufactured that product, you'll never be held liable. And yet our Congress, H.R. 5546, National Vaccine Injury of 19, Act of 1986, basically said to the, to the pharmaceutical industry, you can no longer have any civil action brought against you. You cannot be sued. You have liability immunity. Listen to this, parent. Put your antennas up real high. We went from three vaccines to 72 vaccines after that of 16 diseases. Oh, by the way, any questioning of the vaccinations in this country, you are literally ostracized and alienated. And you may say, how could anybody have that much power? Because we're talking about a half a trillion dollar industry right now, and it's probably a lot more than that. After pharmaceutical country, uh, companies could not be sued, once they had lawsuit immunity, we went from three, about three vaccines, to 72 vaccines now with 16 diseases to get into a public school system. 
sloppily. Because the pharmaceutical industry has not been released from the largest cost. The largest cost that is held by pharmaceutical industry is liability insurance. Once you give them a carte blanche to produce a product that, listen, that does not have any safety testing against a placebo. A vaccine is able to slip through in ways normal medications are not. There is a stringent process of how we put medicines on the market, but vaccines are a whole different ballgame. Sloppily. The New England Journal of Medicine, December 31st, 2020, stated and, has not, and did not retract this, expressed concerns, listen to this, uh, as to the COVID vaccine, as to the data integrity and the regulatory oversight. Elizabeth Wokner, and I believe that's her name, she's president of Citizens for Responsible Care and Research, claimed that the FDA was severely undersourced, under-resourced during the development of the COVID vaccine. Ventavia, a research contract company that was supposed to look over the research and watching over companies like Pfizer was and, and, and checking the testing sites in, in Texas, which they only scratch the surface. I think there were 154 testing sites in Texas. They only checked nine of them. Ventavia Research Contract Company told the British Medical Journal, Journal there was falsified data. Unblended patients mean that the patients could know what they were getting or not getting. They were not, they weren't, uh, they were not unbiased. They, there was inadequately trained vac vaccinators. They were slow to report adverse reactions. Jackson, the regional director of the group who oversaw the safety, reportedly informed her superiors of poor laboratory management, patient safety, data integrity, and further, the BMJ has dozens of internal company documents, photos, audio recordings, and guess what happened to the regional director that was raising alarm? She was fired. But nobody wants us to know that. Icon, the next company that would come in, highlighted over 100 outstanding queries that were over three days uh, old or to be addressed. In other words, if when they're when they're working with a vaccine and they're and they're looking at it and they're testing, and we'll talk about testing in a moment, if they see an adverse reaction, you have 24 hours to report that. They were saying there were over a hundred incidences where three days had passed and it's still not been reported. Icon another country, I mean another company highlighted the same. Safety, lack of timely follow-up to patients, experiencing adverse reactions, protocol deviations not reported, vaccines not stored at the right temperature, mislabeled lab specimens, targeting of Ventavia staff who reported the problems. And as I told you before, Jackson was fired. Ventavia staff admitted Jackson was right, was correct. Two spoke anonymously for fear of reprisal and loss of job and a tightly knit research community saying that they don't think it was good, clean data and they summed it up as a crazy mess. The New England Journal of Medicine said this should be transparent and perfect integrity in order for the public to trust. Oh, by the way, you ever wondered who gets tested for a vaccine? Let me read to you. Now, this, this came out of a debate 
But Alan Dershowitz, 50 years at Harvard teaching law, a brilliant man, listening to Robert Kennedy Jr. And at one point in the debate, Kennedy looked at Dershowitz and he was just exasperated. He said, this is criminal. But listen to what they went on to say. Listen to this. The people tested for the COVID vaccine could not be pregnant, not be overweight, not smoked, never smoked, never vape, no history of respiratory problems, no asthma, no diabetes, no rheumatoid, no autoimmune disease, no history of seizures. Robert Kennedy said to Alan Dershowitz, this is not the average American, but the Avengers. Tony Fauci. That voice in the ear of the President of the United States, Tony Fauci, in a Wall Street Journal article, December 21st, 2021, stated in public, in public, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins urged Americans to follow the science. In private, these two sanit public health officials schemed to squash dissenting views from top scientists around the world. That's the troubling but fair conclusions, it says, after emails that were obtained recently by the Freedom of Information Act by the American Institute for the Economic Research. In fact, I had, I had put it on my phone. Y'all bear with me. But... Um, In public, Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins urged Americans to follow the science. In private, the two sainted public health officials scheme to squash dissenting views from top scientists. That's the troubling but fair conclusion from emails that were obtained recently via the Freedom of Information Act by the American Institute for Economic Research. The tale unfolded in October 2020 after the launch of what is called the Great Barrington Declaration, a statement made by Harvard's Martin Koldorf, Oxford's Sunetra Gupta and Stanford's J, and I can't even pronounce that last name, where they were questioning the blanket pandemic lockdowns and they were questioning the vaccination process. They were raising real issues. They've now discovered emails that were going on between Fauci and between others that basically said, you've got to squash this. You've got to stop this. Why? Because freedom, First Amendment rights, the freedom to be able to to seek the best answers are being stopped. For what reason? Fauci, who's chief medical advisor to the president, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, is calling the shots on much of the pandemic and the vaccine. And I would call Fauci what, Her what Jesus called Herod. Fauci is a fox. He has no credibility among the American people. I told Stan May on Facebook, I said, if, if uh, Fauci were a pastor, he would have long since. If you didn't have no more faith in me than the American people have in Dr. Fauci, the truth of the matter is, I ought to voluntarily step down. Oh, by the way, Fauci put half a billion of your tax dollars in the research and development, and from what I understand, owns half the patents. And the five people who are under him are entitled to the royalties. 
It doesn't take much logic to say there's a smoking gun here somewhere. When the pharmaceutical industry said this, we want, immu we want immune liability immunity. We don't want to be sued. We want to be able to do what we want to be able to do and nobody stop us. And you may say, well, how do people get that kind of power? Because any people will do anything for a dollar. And we're not talking about millions. We're not talking about billions. We're talking about trillions. These CEOs have become billionaires overnight. Seventy-five year moratorium. Do you realize they not only wanted immunity, they said this, we don't want to release any information about the vaccine, about the adverse effects. We don't want to release anything for 75 years. Basically saying this, when all of them are dead and gone. There's a judge in Texas that is now calling that to question and hopefully that will be challenged and overturned and the pharmaceutical industry will have to release information that I believe is critical. And for all the moralists out there, for all the moralists, those uh, uh, tree-hugging, whatever they are, I don't know what they are. I don't know where they come from. The woke, the cultural Marxists, whatever that group is. For all those moralists out there, Tech Review, October 2020 issue stated, the vaccine which could have been released in October of 2020 was instead stalled for three weeks, no, until the third week of November 2020 and resulted in over 100,000 deaths, probably most of them to the Delta variant. Why? Because of political positioning. A man by the name of Dr. Topol on the West Coast basically pressured the Food and Drug Administration to stall the release of the vaccine because, listen to this, because they did not want President Trump to get the credit. It had nothing to do with Trump, has nothing to do with Biden, it has to do with dishonesty and deception. Am I angry? You better believe I'm angry. Campaigners from People's Vaccine Alliance say the cost of vaccinating the world against COVID-19 would be at least five times cheaper if pharmaceutical companies weren't profiteering from the monopolies. New analysis by this same organization shows firms such as Pfizer, Biotech, Moderna are charging governments as much as $41 billion above the cost of production. Colombia, a poor, struggling Central America country, or South American country, $375 million to get the vaccine. Pfizer and Moderma, 90% of richer nations, they're charging 24 times the potential cost of production of the vaccine. Don't talk to me about morality. Some of the creators of some of the social media venues, the truth of the matter is you're dishonest and you're crooked. You've never lived in a, in a third world country. You've never watched the raping of a nation by, uh, by a, uh, a Marxist leader. You've never watched a 90% unemployment in an African country. You know nothing about the inner city. You know nothing about the homeless. And you know nothing about race relations. To the moralists, none of these countries, none of these companies, listen to this, will share vaccine technology 
They're capable producers in other countries which could increase global supply, drive down prices, and save millions of lives. But Pfizer, Biotech, Moderna refused to give that information over to these countries. And remember, it was your tax dollars that developed the vaccine and you made them billionaires. The cost of the vaccine should be a dollar and twenty cents. It's five times that. Anna Marriott, Oxfam health policy manager, said this pharmaceutical countries, companies are holding the world to ransom at a time of unprecedented crisis. This is probably one of the most lethal cases of profiteering in history. Well, go ahead and burn a few buildings and feel good about it. You know nothing about the suffering of the world. While people clamor for mask and vaccine mandates, South Africa and India ask for a waiver of intellectual property rules related to COVID-19 technology. In other words, what they were asking South Africa. For every individual who believes in race relations, take a long, hard look at the continent of Africa. South Africa and India asked for a waiver of intellectual property rules. They were begging these companies to give them COVID-19 technology so that they could develop the vaccines and begin to mass produce in order to save their people. It went to a vote, a hundred nations, United States, France, and a hundred nations says, give it to them. Germany, the United Kingdom, and the European Union said no. And I thought to myself when I read that, I thought about Revelation when it talked about the old Roman Empire. And I thought about those nations that said no. Less than 1% of the people in low-income countries have received vaccinations, while the profits made by the companies have set the CEOs of Moderna, Biotech, as millionaires. World Health Organization says the vaccine could cost 80 cents. Johnson & Johnson, 13 times higher, and it gets even worse. Pfizer, Biotech, Moderna, and a company, listen to this, a company, Sinopharm. You know where Sinopharm is? It's a pharmaceutical com company in China. You know how much they increase their profits? 50 times the cost of producing the vaccine. Oh, it's all about money. What did Jesus call Satan? Mammon. And you may say, well, Brother Jeff, what are, what are we to do? Well, first of all, we might ought to wake up. You know, I, 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 um, I played something for Sheila on something I was listening to in, in this debate. God is my witness in this debate. I'm listening to this debate 17 minutes into it. There is this on, and you know, for some people, they make fun of it. I don't care. There's a real spiritual world out there. There's another dimension. There's another spirit. There's a spiritual world. You can call it whatever you want, but it is real. Well, there is a creator God. He set this universe. The complexity, you can't explain it, has intelligent design. So you go ahead and believe whatever lie you want. But the reality is, I was playing this 17 minutes into it, and all of a sudden there's this demonic, clear, growl 
I didn't touch my phone. I left my phone there. I said, Sheila, let, Sheila that evening, as we were getting ready to eat supper, I said, I want you to listen to that. And I played it for Sheila, and Sheila said, it gives me chills. It sounds demonic. I went back and did it again on a different venue, not the phone, and you could hear certain sounds. Some people say, well, Brother Jeff, you're crazy. No, I believe we're in a spiritual war. And this country is not only one of the most benevolent nations in the world, this country holds a lot of the peace in this world. Beyond that, this country's government. This is why people literally will crawl on whatever they have to to try to float into this country, crawl into this country, tunnel into this country, and there are people that are out to destroy it. And they've managed to set their lives in every venue possible. You know, Sheila laughed when she was reading some of that Facebook garbage and the cowards. Brent Leach said, sound like a bunch of trolls. I don't even know what all that means. Seems like there are people that just delight in getting on social media and, you know, doing that, creating all this tension. Somehow, maybe trying to intimidate and create fear. Sheila looked, she laughed, said, well, one thing about it, you ain't intimidated. Oh, if I die any time in the next little few days, you'll know that the trillion-dollar industry thought they'd shut me up. But we're living in a time where we're living in a time of what Paul said to Timothy. And what we read at the beginning, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, he said, Timothy, God did not give you this spirit of fear. Now I want you to listen. Everybody for the last nearly two years has been held in a perpetual, ongoing fear they're walking around as if hey listen Christ is not sovereign COVID is they're living their lives basically just simply saying this I got to get the vaccine get the vaccine got to get the booster you know we've got people that have vaccine vaccine booster Israel's had four boosters remember this the enemy's primary tool against you is fear. Because fear is the enemy of faith. When you and I are filled with fear rather than faith, we are exactly where the enemy wants us. Why? Because listen, if you're a child of God, you're no longer believing and trusting a sovereign God to take care of you. And beyond that, you have no joy. You have no joy. And guess what, the, guess what a lost world says to you? Don't want that. <laughs> I got enough of that. And, and, and for some people, they feed on CNN. They feed on Fox News. They feed on the news, boy. And the news is doing this. You know what the news is doing? You, ever, you remember when you were feeding a baby? And you'd take and the baby, try to spit it out, and what do you do? Did you, th did you throw it away? You'd say, well, that's no good. No, you'd rake that food around the side of the mouth and shove it back in there again and shove it back in there again. And that's the American people because the enemy's the prince of the air. And the enemy loves for this nation to live in fear he loves for this church to live in fear. He wants you to live in fear because if he can get you to live in fear, you're not walking in faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know what God tells you? God says, hey, you're going to fear? Fear me. 
God, a sovereign God looks and says, you only have to fear one thing, fear me. I used to tell my kids all the time, hey, listen, final authority outside God, outside the Word of God is old dad. Teacher ever ask you to do something morally, ethically wrong? Any of your friends, anybody else? Listen, don't fear them. Don't even fear the teacher. Don't fear the professor. You better fear dad. But you know what freedom there is when you fear God and nobody else? Nothing else. There's real freedom. You may say, well, you know, Brother Jeff, you, you don't understand. I'm 66 years old. I used to weigh a couple hundred pounds. I weighed about 140. So I don't even get on scales anymore because it's depressing. Skin and bones. My belt, there it is. I tried to tuck it under the sound thing, Johnny, so it wouldn't stick out. Wave it, y'all. Uh, I'm 66 years old. I have a comp compromised immune system. I have every reason to mask up, vaccine up, booster up, and do everything else I possibly can. Outside of trying to take care of myself, doing the best I can, I trust a sovereign God. It has nothing to do with vaccine. It has to do with control. And when fear controls your life, and it controls my life, and it has to do with corruption, and there's a whole lot of corruption right now, and there's a whole lot of smoking guns. And you may say, well, how do you go into an invitation like this with all that stuff? Well, let me tell you, you couldn't pay me to walk out of here and not be right with Christ. Somebody asked me a little while ago, it was Leroy. Leroy said, Brother Jeff, do you think we're living in the last days? I said, I'm going to tell you what R.C. Sproul said. He said, we're closer to the end than we've ever been before. I think it was Sproul that said that. The reality is for you and I, you and I have to understand something. These are difficult days and you don't want to go through them without the Lord Jesus Christ living in your heart. If you don't know Him, this is the day to give your life to Him. If you're a parent and you're trying to raise your children in these days without Christ, I feel sorry for you because you're making a tragic mistake. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You, and Lord, we love You and we praise You. And Lord, I'm, I've done the best I can do. And Lord, I'm sure there'll be plenty of attacks and people that will go after me. And I, Well, Lord, I, I know that's part of it. But Lord, I believe there are things that are not right, things that are wrong, things that Christian people ought to be saying that publicly standing up for third world countries, for the less fortunate, those that are being uh, nations that in, rather than putting their, uh, their money and their resources into, into agricultural developments, into medical community. They're having to pay for a vaccine because pharmaceutical industries are bleeding them dry. Now, Lord, this is not right. And the American is silly enough to think that his vaccine is free. Well, these vaccines are free. No, they're not. They're not free in any sense of the word. Inflation is increasing at a record high. Taxes will go up. Nothing's free. Everything comes with a price. But one, that is Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray today for a man or woman, boy or girl, who may be listening right now. 
I pray, dear Lord, that right now, that God, you will speak into their heart. If they do not know you, wherever they may be, that God, you may begin to speak through the power of your Holy Spirit just as clearly as I'm speaking now. And that you may speak and plead with them to give their life to you. That their hearts may be open. That they'll understand, repent of their sin, and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that moment to recognize that now the Holy Spirit, like a GPS system, is now in their heart, guiding and directing them through life. As my old grandmother said, the Bible is the roadmap to heaven. But Jesus, His Holy Spirit, is the GPS. My grandmother never knew GPS. But the GPS of the Holy Spirit, living in the heart of a believer, will get us home. I pray, dear Lord, if there's a man or woman that doesn't know you, that today they'll repent and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I pray for others who right now, God, you may be speaking to them. It's time to start living for Christ. That you will awaken within them a desire to live for you. Begin to move away from some of those things that have pulled them away from what they know to be right. What they know is the clear teaching of Christ and the Scripture. And come back to you. Because God, you haven't moved, they have. Lord, I pray for others that are asking, what do I do? Well, first of all, dear Lord, we begin to study. We begin to seek out. We begin to get those answers. We begin to seek information from those that are not corrupted and compromised until we begin to find the truth. And we begin to stand for those who cannot stand for themselves. Now, Lord, be with us in this invitation. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You come.